0: My cat Rachel is the silliest cat I know. One time, she played inside a paper bag for three hours. What a mystery. But I'm glad her health isn't. Thanks to the color-changing litter from Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter. This premium color-changing litter has pH-activated crystals that can help me detect potential illness early. That makes it easy for me to stay on top of her health and well-being. I may not understand all of Rachel's silly quirks, but I can keep up with the important things. Find Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company.
3: Hello and welcome to another episode of I Way with Jamila Jamil, a podcast against shame. How are you? Fucking hell. Fucking hell. It's almost over. We're almost done with this fucking year. Jesus Christ on a bicycle. It's been crazy. It's been, it's, there have been some lovely moments. I hope you've had some, but I feel like, i have been turned inside out and then thrown off a cliff that's just that's my vibe right now it's been a lot it's been a lot and because we're all going through a lot all at the same time in a way that i feel like we probably haven't since uh, a big war or the spanish flu uh it, I think it's it's made the environment and atmosphere even more intense and tense. So just like well done, well done for getting to this point. We are at the taint of the year, known to some maybe in the UK as the gooch, which is Traditionally in biology, the space between um, the genitals and the arsehole, you know, a bit of sort of like that thin piece of skin. That's what I always think of as this kind of coming week uh, between kind of Christmas and the new year. Pointless, don't know why it's there, but it's kind of fun, Uh, similar to a taint or a gooch. I hope that you're okay. I hope that however you're spending Christmas is how you actually want to, if that's something that you celebrate. Uh, I've had some fantastic Christmases alone uh, where I've just sat there eating Chinese food. Um, I haven't bathed watching all of my favorite TV and just being as annoying as I like. Uh, I've had some great ones uh, with chosen family, which is what I'll be doing this year. Cause I'm not a big uh, family holidays person. Um some people maybe have very stressful relationships with their family and so they're still having to go and maybe they got off from having to do that for the last two years because of COVID and they can't get away with that anymore. Um, and so if that's something you're really stressed about I'm really sorry. And I hope that today's episode can bring you a little bit of solace. I uh, I just know it's a very tricky time and it brings up a lot for all of us. There's also a lot of food stuff. We kind of talked about this over Thanksgiving. Like, Are you going to get body shamed? Are you going to feel guilty after you eat? We're only a week before all the fucking diet ads start to bombard us and tell us how we shouldn't have eaten on Christmas Day and enjoyed ourselves with our friends or our families. Uh, and now we must, at the new year, become the thinnest version of ourselves we've ever been in order to be acceptable to be a success. Fuck those people. I urge you to enjoy any meal you have, any mince pie, any anything. Because because we all fucking deserve to just be happy and to be left the fuck alone. It's about to be 2023. We are done with this bullshit. Now, the reason I chose to bring back this episode uh, is because it's one of the ones that has genuinely changed me the most from the last few years. It's one of the ones that I quote the most when I'm talking to people, when I'm basically trying to impress them Uh, I quote my guest Poppy Jamie she's a friend of mine and someone who I became friends with because I realized that every time I would leave her company at a party or a dinner party whatever I would feel more energized and rejuvenated and inspired and like I wanted to grab hold of life more now if you've been following me uh, for any amount of years you'll know that I'm not exactly that sort of person I'm a cynical lazy old Cunt. <laughs> and and uh, i i really and i mean that term affectionately um but Uh, Poppy is just full of life and she is full of knowledge, all of which she has gone out to acquire for herself. There is no one I've met more interested in life and no one I've met who's more interesting to talk to it about. She's so unpretentious. She's so sound. She's so deeply kind. And I feel like this is the energy we all need. It's going to be a tricky week maybe for all of us regardless of how we choose to spend this time and we need all of the good vibes we can get and you can't get better vibes than Poppy Jamie. Now Poppy has spent a lot of time trying to figure out her mental health and in doing so she didn't just want to discover her feelings and her previous experiences, all of which are very valid, but she also wanted to know if there's something actually to do with how her brain works that impacts her mental health, the neuroscience of it. And so she decided to just kind of obsessively get into it, talk to all of these experts from all around the world, all of the biggest universities, collate all of that information and put it into one easily digestible book called Happy Not Perfect, upgrade your mind, challenge your thoughts and free yourself from anxiety. It's such a good book it's such an easy read and it really reframes stuff for you in this episode we talk about how to understand the different channels in your mind and we learn how to turn up the relaxing and positive channel and turn down the negative stressed one and that sounds as though i'm oversimplifying it but she actually explains in a way that really feels simple Uh, we talk about breathing techniques and why belly breathing is so important i never do it Uh, i think my oxygen levels must be about 12 percent because i'm always (laughs) We explore different types of thinking and why we should all learn to become more flexible thinkers. We discuss why we're all so overwhelmed and what we should be doing about it. There are such interesting bite-sized facts in this episode. And so if you missed it last time, I just couldn't bear for you to not have a chance to meet this fantastic woman. Merry Christmas. And this is the excellent Poppy Jamie. Love you. Jamie, I had you on my Ask Jamila Anything podcast, and now you're here because you blew my mind on that to the point where I was like, more people, we need even more people to hear this woman because she's blowing me away. Uh, welcome to I Way. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I have known you since you were 19. So that is since 2009, we've known each other from the very beginning of my career because I used to meet you when you were a young budding TV host and you also worked in a little gift lounge Uh, at T4 on the beach, which is an old TV show that I used to host on a beach in seven different types of weather all in the same day where (laughs) you would be sunburned and also hailed at at the same time in gale force winds. And uh, we would do that every single summer. There were 50,000 people live there on the beach that I would host in front of as well as live on television where sometimes it was so windy that the teleprompter would actually blow off the top of the camera, <laughs> off into the sea <laughs> while I was live on air and I would just freestyle. But that's where I would meet you backstage as you were becoming a TV host and and entering into this industry. And it's so nice to see where you're at now all these years later as one of the leading voices online in mental health. It is so crazy that and so
4: beautiful, I think, about life, really, that you meet people on your journey, and you've got no idea how your lives will cross. And our lives have just been this, like, beautiful crisscross. And I have to say, you've just been the kindest person from when I was 18 years old, being like, Jamila, Jamila. And you've just been oozed with kindness been so compassionate so sweet always taking me under your wing and you've never changed and um I will always be just so grateful to how kind and also it's just such a love it just really is so life-affirming when you do meet
3: people like you because you're like people are really kind out there that's nice and we weren't always in a very kind industry either and and yet we kind of, we came up alongside each other in so many parallels. And it's been so interesting that two very different women who've had two very different life experiences have consistently kind of moved along these parallels and ended up in the same space of of around the same time starting to kind of unravel. And in our journey back to who we are or journey towards who we want to be, We've decided to bring as many people along the ride with us as possible. I am, I'm so keen to understand like when did your because you weren't this is definitely not something that either of us were focused on when we first got into the industry in fact I think you and I both considered ourselves because we were both very bubbly and bright and always happy and always smiley Uh, I definitely remember that about you Um, we were people who I always thought I was just fine until I fell apart I didn't think I ever had any mental health issues I thought that my uh, feeling of panic all the time was just because I wasn't good enough I didn't know that that was a condition called anxiety and so is this something that you were aware of back then or has this been a journey towards mental health
4: it is amazing that 10 years ago we didn't even speak the words mental health Mm -hmm. to each other it was so far away from our vocabulary our conversation and obviously it just shows you how how quickly the world has changed thank thankfully um, but also how much our understanding of the mind and our emotional experience as human beings have changed as well. Because as yeah, uh, completely the same as you, I understood and was conditioned to be happy, polite, uh, performative. And even when I was feeling deeply insecure, terribly anxious, unbelievable perfectionism. Um, I kind of thought that that was normal. And I was the only one obviously having those feelings. And obviously now we realize that um, we aren't the only ones. There are millions of people out there. And when I had that moment of realization, that was when I decided to change my entire life life to focus on bringing tools to mental health but I do say I I do a caveat with my mum is a psychotherapist so I was aware of the mind but it's so different when your mother is a psychotherapist to actually understanding for yourself that you've got you've got to do something and I was aware of it because my father suffered from severe mental illness with chronic stress and anxiety throughout his lifetime and so I learned from a young age that mental health was something that you couldn't see, but yet had a tremendous impact on everybody around um, around them. And uh, and also from my mother, I understood that there were always things that you could change about the mind. But it was kind of like, yeah, 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 my mum, yeah, yeah, yeah. And really it took me to have a breakdown to realize actually... We, it's it's one thing knowing something; it's another thing doing something.
3: When was this breakdown? Because we've known each other all this time, but I wasn't aware that this happened.
4: Yeah, so it was I? Was must have been like twenty six, and I just started this idea for Happy Not Perfect. I was hosting this show on Snapchat. We had like thousands and millions of people watching. And it was the first time when I realized that more people than I were also going, oh my God, I'm so worried about the future. And oh my God, I'm so stressed out about this. I'm so stressed out about that. And that was the moment when I started realizing that I wanted to work in mental health and this idea of, well, how do I put my mom who's a psychotherapist who has these tools that I can call her up on uh, and tell, you know, how, how do I relax right now? What on earth do I do with this? How do I, how do I turn this into something that more people can access? Because therapy is expensive. And, and, you know, to be honest, the conversations that you have are so therapeutic, even just having the conversation to realize that we're all experiencing this is like very reassuring. And, um, And at the time I, so I'd had this thought, but I was traveling between the UK and, um, and the US. I wasn't sleeping and I had started working with part of business partners that I felt just like hated me. So I was in this work environment where I felt like I was so despised and, it brought up my worst core toxic fears of I'm not enough. I'm not likable. Um, I've got to work harder to prove myself. And I ended up my, I mean, I've always been a bit of a workaholic because I learned that at the age of 13. And, um, and in the book, I write a lot about the, the beliefs that we, Absorbed when we were little, the rule book that we learned from those around us, it may have been our parents, it may have been our friends, it may have just been the environments, then become the story we live out for life if we don't challenge them. And I was living this story of I must work harder, I'm not enough, I must go to everything. I had I was the, the biggest people pleaser. So if somebody asked me to do something, yes, yep, absolutely no problem, absolutely no problem. I hated saying no, I hated conflict. And It, one day I woke up and my tummy was so bloated. It was rock solid. My, my whole, my glands had swollen to the point where it was, I couldn't even swallow. And I was in LA all by myself and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, and I went to hospital. And they just, and they did all their tests and they were like, you're chronically exhausted. And this is your immune system flaring up and you need to rest. And I was like, that's not a big enough diagnosis. Tell me, tell me I've got something more. Tell me, tell me I've got something more. You've got to give me a, a harder diagnosis than that because I was in so much mental and physical pain. And I didn't realize our stress response was so toxic for the body. I mm. no, I had an idea that when we're stressed, we release cortisol and it inflames our body. And, um, and we can't even think straight when we're in that moment. And, um, I remember like weeks later, the smell of coffee, I couldn't even go near and coffee was like my all time favorite it was like my best friend. And I couldn't have a sip of coffee because I couldn't spike my adrenaline anymore. I was that burnt out. Um, and it took me honestly, like it sounds terrible, but it probably took me over a year and a half to recover.
3: I mean, it doesn't sound terrible in any judgment way. It just sounds like you had a really fucking terrible time. I mean, I knew you were going through a lot, but I had no idea that it was this bad. But again, I guess at that point we didn't really know each other well enough to tell each other the full truth of how we were both feeling. Cause I was also 26 when I went through a nervous breakdown and no, you didn't know at the time when I was, it's so funny. And I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to be more there for you. I had no idea.
4: I think that's the, and that's why the world has changed so much because we were just on the phone being like, I'm going through this and I'm going through this. Exactly. And, through this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and I have to say, you really appreciate the friends that you can be, you know, and and that's really kind of, I guess, the main message and the main learning I've had is how do we live our most authentic truth? Because when we sit down, you know, even with just a stranger or a really good friend, um, when someone's willing just to say, Oh, this is me. It is so reassuring. And that is what I appreciate about friendship so much, because we're like, I'm going through this. And you're like, I've actually gone through that, Pops. And you may go through this and
3: it's okay because, you know, it's actually not as bad as you think. Yeah, it's also and- one of my favourite things to do because you're younger than me. So it's one of my favourite things to do is to tell you all of the terrible <laughs> shit mistakes I've made to either make you feel better about yours or to stop you from making the same mistakes I've made. And so I guess that takes us to happy, not perfect, which started to grow on social media and then became a widely loved app I have the app uh, I, I listen to your podcast it's excellent and now you have a book Coming out where you have taken all of these life lessons, where you've even included your childhood diary entries, which is such a brave and vulnerable thing to do. Uh, my childhood diary entries were so disturbing that I literally burned them <laughs> eight years ago. I was like, no one can ever find these. No one can ever. No, this is, I never want to see this again. I, this is just, I was such a twisted child. Um, But you've, you've created this book that documents your kind of journey through understanding neurology and something that I think is so interesting. And this has been like a part of my experience of you that has just been so fruitful and mind blowing is your dedication to understanding the actual function of the brain, not just the emotional language, not just the emotional tools, but part of your recovery has been actually understanding what our brains are doing, what our brains are built to do, what our survival mechanisms are, and really getting into the weeds of neuroscience. It's been like watching you, I mean, watching everyone you've interviewed, all of the places you've gone and spoken, all of the things that you have done. It has been like watching you do essentially a PhD in neuro, like your very own, <laughs> your very own PhD in neuroscience and psychology. It's been fascinating, I honestly think the root of all change is education. Mm.
4: And when I was lying in bed, unable to move, I thought I've got to understand what's happening because our bodies are bloody brilliant and our brains are brilliant too. The problem is, is that we are living lifestyles that are not conducive to healthy bodies and brains. Mm. And suddenly when you understand what is going on, you go, oh my God, of course, of course this happened to me then. Of course I was feeling anxious. It's so normal. My brain was actually working. It was working. It was doing what it's supposed to be doing. The problem is that actually maybe I need to change my external environment. And this idea that the brain has got, you know, kind of three inputs, like bottom up, you've got obviously genes and then you've got nutrition, you've got top down where you you know your thoughts and your thought health and how you can regulate emotions. And then you have external inputs in, you know, are you in a safe environment? What's going on? If for example, you've just recently gone through a breakup of course, you are going to be going through the ringer. And suddenly to understand that our brain is this melting pot of all of these different inputs, you are able to develop so much more compassion for yourself. And for me, it was like bit, the, the complete change of my life from not knowing how my biology worked and then suddenly starting to learn piece by piece. And it's taken me literally six years to get to this point where, you know, I felt ready to combine all the research, all the incredible experts and go, okay, for anybody who doesn't have six years and just wants it, you know, in in a few hours, how do I just create this one, like, book that has all the learnings? And I've tried everything. I've tried everything to try and work out what was really, really going to fundament- fundamentally make a big shift. Because, We can all talk about how amazing meditation is, but for me, it was impossible to sit down and do a meditation practice every day. Mm -hmm. And actually, for people who don't kind of resonate with that kind of sitting still mindfulness, surely there must be other things out there. And that was really the mission,
3: was to go and understand my brain in, d- in a different way. Thank God you said that because I really can't meditate for shit. I really can't, <laughs> not for shit or fuck. I cannot do it. I've tried. I listen to the apps. I, uh, I try and do the sleep meditations. I, 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 my brain will not stop. And so I'm so excited to dig into the tools that you have learned over the course of your recovery, essentially, I think we'll call it. Um, you seem in a much more recovered place. Talk to me about one of your favorite things that you learned throughout your process. I mean, one of my favorite things that you talked to me about was just the fact that the brain, the brain kind of has two radio stations. You break it down to calm FM and stressed FM. Talk to me about that.
4: Yes. So this was really inspired by Dr. Rick Hansen, um, who has a book called Hardwiring Hab- Happiness. And he uh, talks about how the brain only really has two settings. And I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. The brain only has two radio stations. Either we are playing Stressed FM, which is like, ah! Or we're playing chilled FM when suddenly we can make good decisions, we're able to process our emotions, we're feeling good, we can go to sleep, we're digesting well. And stressed FM is us feeling chaotic. Usually, like, we're supposed to have a bit of both. You know, stress is not all bad. Some stress is good. It kind of gets our adrenaline moving. It gives us some energy. Some stress is good. But the problem is, is that... We're now spending 98% of our days on stressed FM, feeling totally chaotic. And as a consequence, we are in reaction mode. We're in defensive mode. When we're in defensive and reaction mode, we don't make good decisions. We make decisions based on past patterns, because that ha- is how the brain formulates the present. The brain goes into a situation and goes, oh my God, have I seen this before? Have I seen this before? Have I seen this before? And then it goes, oh yes, I think I have seen it before. It's seven years ago. And this is what happened. It was dangerous. Oh my God, we should feel anxious right. Now and suddenly we are, you know, our stressed FM is blurring all sort of clarity in the present moment. Suddenly, when we are in relaxed FM, the you know, the parasympathetic nervous system for any like scientists
3: out there. Now go on, um, break it down though, for the for the people like me who didn't go to school after they were 16. What is so the parasympathetic stressed system? FM is
4: the sympathetic nervous system, it's the fight and flight mode. And we all know that. It's when our cortisol is Pumping is when we're in that fight, flight, or freeze state,
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, and we are trying to make really quick reactions because go back to caveman times. This is really helpful. If we saw something on the floor and it looked like a snake, we wanted to be reacting very quickly. We didn't want to have that rational part of our brain go, "I think it's the stick." Oh, could be a snake, a stick, snake. Because by that point, the snake would have bitten us and we would have died. Maybe. Yeah. But but the re- when we're in the relaxed and and relaxed FM. We are able to say, we're able to stay curious. Is that, is that a stick? Thinks think it's a stick. It's okay. I'm safe. No need to be worried. But the problem is, is that we have psychological threats now. So we receive an email and it's like, oh my God, she didn't, she didn't sign it off. Like, you know. Nice to chat. She hated me. She hated me. She hated me, and our stress state just causes our brain to create narratives that are spinning us into circles that are not helpful for us. And so, when we're in that mode, if you ask yourself a question, "What radio station am I playing?" It's such an easy question. Just to go, "How do I feel?" It's quite easy to tell what radio station you're playing. Mm-hmm. Is my heart beating? Is my is are my shoulders tense? Or am I, is my shoulders react? Am I feeling safe? How does my tummy feel? Is it relaxed?
3: And then we start to know, are we in a good state to be making a decision right now? Mm, That's great. That's so interesting. I feel like I've been in Stressed FM for about 35 years. (laughs) I (laughs) really need to change the bloody radio station. And so, okay, so let's say I'm me, which I am. And I'm in Stressed FM, which I was in yesterday. What could I have done to switch over to Calm FM? Great question.
4: So this is uh, step one of the flex, which is connection. Usually when we're stressed, we have learned that uncomfortable emotions should be not felt. And so we often then can resort to numbing behaviour. So we go on social media or we go online shopping or we go head down into work just to go, I don't want to feel this, I don't want to feel this, it's too much to feel, I don't want to feel this. But again, the problem is we just then kind of prolong stress, stressed state, Mm -hmm. how to switch it back. is just to, first of all, acknowledge, to accept whatever you're feeling, because that is totally fine. You take away the judgment and you go, okay, my today, my mind feels, and you label that feeling. And it's the diffusion technique. And a lot of people may have learned this in acceptance, commitment therapy, And by doing that, you say, my mind, today, my mind feels. Today, you're you're reminding yourself emotions are always temporary. Okay, so I'm going to do it.
3: So my mind feels like a dumpster fire. Does that work? Is that an answer? Today. 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 So it's important to say today so that you don't put a permanence on the feeling. Okay, so today or right now, my mind feels like a dumpster fire, toilet. Great. Great.
4: And so you go, (laughs) my mind Suddenly, you are then you are disassociating yourself. You are not your emotion. Your mm. mind today feel, feels like a dumpster fire. Toilet. So your yeah. toilet. So you're <laughs> able to have this like slight separation, and then you think to yourself, "Well, where am I feeling it? Where am I, Where are you feeling that dumpster um, fire toilet a feeling in your body,
3: Jamila?" Okay, I'm feeling it in my stomach. Mostly. That's normally where I feel most of my tension. My brain is quite numb because I I think I might be um, neurologically damaged from too much stress as a child. Uh, So I don't often feel stress that I can recognise in my brain. And I think a lot of people are like this. I'm... I'm one of many people who has who pushes all of their feelings down mm. into their body. So mine will come out mm. in kidney stones or mm. digestive issues or aches and pains. I store all of my grief in my body. And my eating disorder habits, especially when I overeat or I used to anyway, uh, were because I was trying to physically push feelings down mm. with food, like down from my throat, away from my head, down into my body okay. so that my stomach ache would externally reveal the internal turmoil turmoil that I was in. Does that make sense? Oh, that makes complete sense.
4: Okay, Because when we're feeling stressed, why would the body start digesting if we were running away from a lion? Exactly. So, So it just, so our digestion stops when we're feeling stressed. And that's why when I had my complete breakdown, like, I was bloated for months. I just didn't go to the, the bathroom. I mean, mm-hmm. probably too much information. I was deeply
3: constipated. What's fine. What's from- <laughs> so happened to us all? Happened to us all. I'm I'm certain I didn't shit between the age of 24 and 27. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> not once. Not one time. <laughs> so this is how we're going to change it. Yeah.
4: So I want you to. They're called micro in the book. Mm-hmm. Relax your shoulders down. Okay. And I want you to place your hands on your belly. Mm -hmm. And breathe into the belly as if you're expanding the belly so much and push that belly out, get that gut out. Expand it. And now exhale. Slowly, belly releases towards the spine. Now let's do that again. Let's inhale into the belly with our shoulders down, expanding the belly, fill that belly up all with air, relaxing air. Hold it for a moment for as long as you can. And exhale. Exhale, 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 exhale out and continue breathing just gently. Yeah. Now, by breathing into the belly, we activate our vagus nerve. We start telling our. What's the vagus nerve? Wait, what's the vagus nerve? The vagus nerve is connected from our gut into our brain. It's one of the most important signals that con- that is attached to um, our nervous system, what's well, part of our nervous system, and it controls whether we're in the fight or flight, whether we're playing stressed FM or chilled FM. Mm-hmm. So when we are feeling stressed, if you just go back to the breath, and it feels so simple oh, my God, we all breathe, we all breathe. But nine out of ten people breathe into their chest the entire time with their shoulders tensed. Mm-hmm. And when we, and, and if we just consciously relax our shoulders down. We're using biochemical signals. We're using our body to tell our brain that we are safe. Because if we're breathing into the belly, clearly there's no lion about to attack us because our body's saying, no, no, brain, we're safe. Otherwise we wouldn't be belly breathing. If you look at how a baby breathes, they breathe into their belly. And then at the age of five years old, they go to school and we get hunched over desks. We may get punched in the, in the tummy or as women, we're told to suck in and our breath travels up to our chest, hiking up that that sympathetic nervous state the entire time stressed FM so when we're breathing to our chest our body's saying to our brain
3: I'm stressed I'm stressed I'm stressed that is fascinating it breaks down in like it's, it's such a it's such a simple thing to learn and 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 I I only came across this sort of information I think probably via you a couple of years ago and whenever I realize i'm in that state i always find it so hilarious as to how how simple human beings are and how how unprepared and undesigned we are for the modern world especially the age of social media Because, you know, you were talking about the fact that when Stressed FM is playing, that's when you shouldn't make decisions, right? Yeah. So social media, especially when you're on the receiving end of of, of trolling, or maybe you're watching someone else being trolled, or maybe you're watching the news cycle, and it's fucking stressful, especially as it has been in the last year and a half, but also just forever for the last 11 years. uh, We have the same response to the response we would have had back in the day, as you were saying, like from a a pissy email even can send us, trigger us into that fight or flight response. I, I laugh so much at the idea that when I've been on the receiving end of trolling or demands or like true audacity online, those have been the times where I've been like, I should tweet something publicly that'll be screen grabbed and kept forever. This is a great time <laughs> for me to post my opinion on this huge subject or on this h- deeply personal subject. I uh, I uh can't believe that that's when I've made that decision. And almost all of the time I spend on social media, I must be on Stressed FM because it's so fucking stressful. And so why we ever post anything is beyond me considering how terrifying that space is and how triggered into our like old caveman fight or flight space we are.
4: Right. Because your human, your basic human needs, am I loved? Am I safe? Am I enough are being challenged when you're online? Because suddenly someone sends you a mean comment and that is like the tribe going, oh, you're you're not accepted anymore. And so it's our survival mechanism being like, uh, it's... It's so difficult to wean ourselves off not being affected by other people's, um, opinions and comments, even though we know they're trolls, even though we know bullies are bullies, their words and everybody should be so much more aware of the impact of their words on another person. We are living in a world where we are emotions are contagious. Our words are very powerful because they, it is, our brain reacts in the same way as it would to someone sending you a bow and arrow.
3: Yeah. And the the the, the reason the tribal thing um, makes us so reactive and often act in terror or make decisions that maybe aren't even really integral to ourselves or our beliefs is because if you feel as though you're being kicked out of the tribe, the, I'm going to use the term caveman or whatever, um, the part of your brain that has activated is, if I'm separated from the tribe, then I'm in danger. That the yes. tri- being in a tribe, being in a group, being in a collective keeps me safe. If I'm otherwise, if I'm out here on my own, then I have to fend for myself effectively in what is the wild. And even though we now have doors and civilization, quote unquote, and, you know, windows and locks and, and you know, we're no longer constantly under threat, depending on where we live, from wild animals, uh, we still have the feeling that we are, Because our brains haven't updated to this technological boom.
4: Ah, they haven't updated. I always say, you know, the human ability to create is so much faster than the human ability to adapt. So we've created this incredibly fast world and we are running on our default settings. Mm. We spend 90% of our day in autopilot mode. Information theory found, researchers found, that the brain, that the body sends the brain 11 million pieces of information a second and our conscious brain can only process 50. Jesus. so we're overwhelmed. Of course, we're overwhelmed. And also like technology, you know, they say nobody can multitask, like women, men, um, like any identity, any gender you identify with, like no one can, uh, no one can multitask. What we do is we multi-switch. So when you're working and suddenly you get um, a WhatsApp notification or you get something else notification and you switch attention, what you're doing is you're just degrading your ability to concentrate on either task. and so we're constantly being, being unable to allow to really fully dive into a book or a piece of work because we're always being distracted distracted, and that is really overwhelming for the brain. The brain really hasn't changed much over thousands of years, but yet our world has. And so this is why like part of the book in, in the strapline is like, upgrade your mind mm-hmm. because it is a daily practice to upgrade our mindset. And that's why one of the biggest points of the book I talk about is we've got to live a life of flexible thinking including flexible thinking in the way that we approach life. And part of being a flexible thinker is being deeply curious, having the time to question, actually, like, is this true? Is this thought I'm having true? I'm online, someone sent me a horrible comment. And before we react, we ask, is this true?
3: Like, can I be 100% and Does sure this, this impact true? my life and does this make me unsafe? Does this make me unsafe? Because even if it is true, does it actually impact your day, your life, your existence, whether you are worthy of love, whether yes. you're going to be okay, whether you're going to survive? Because it's our actual survival skills that get called into question sometimes when we receive negativity online we think, oh, this is the end of the world. This is legitimately the end of the world. That's why we focus always on the negative uh, comments rather than the thousands of positive comments or the negative thing that's happened in the day rather than the many positive and safe, wonderful, perhaps like mundane parts of our day, right? Yes, we have an 80% negative bias
4: because again, the brain was developed to predict and protect. And so of course we have this like natural inclination to remember every single negative comment that's ever been said to us and forget the positive ones because that wasn't going to help us survive. And also, we have a thing called confirmation bias, in which we like to confirm our beliefs. We like to confirm how we see the world. So, for example, the reason why I included my diary entries in the book is to show people the beliefs that you um, absorbed were instilled in you at the age of twelve can continue running your life, and your brain will, wants to confirm those beliefs over and over again. So, at twelve, if you believed you weren't enough, you're going to find ev- you're going to find evidence across your entire life to confirm well I, I know I'm not enough look that's more evidence that I'm not enough and so we have to challenge we've got to get so curious like the be- are the beliefs I hold even true are they serving me because what was be- what was true when we were 12 is definitely not true now and it was probably not true when we were 12 either I know
3: I know Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H E L P.com slash iWay. I love my
2: cat, Tiger. And as my best friend, we speak our own language. (coughs) What's that? You love your litter. He does, because I use Fresh Step Outstretch Litter. It absorbs 50% more waste and odor and requires less changing compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Less changing means more time playing. (laughs) Right, Tiger? That's the yes. Find FreshStep Outstretch Cat Litter in the pet aisle. FreshStep is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates.
1: Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean...
3: Talk to me about stiff thinkers and flexible thinkers. You were talking like briefly on flexible thinking.
4: Well, stiff thinking uh, is is a habit all human beings have because of just what we've covered. We're stuck in default mode. We're stuck with this negative bias, with our confirmation bias, stuck in our, you know, stressed FM. And as a consequence, we um, are... Like we believe everything we think, and we, um, if somebody doesn't agree with us, and they're wrong, because we can't
3: understand that a, a different world from how we are seeing it from within. Is an example of this something like um, in my twenties, I had severe social anxiety, and also like as, at school, I had severe social anxiety and was really badly bullied. So my belief system was: I'm never really going to be good at making friends. I'm never going to have friends. I'm always going to be alone. And then later realise, oh no, I have anxiety and my anxiety is what pushes people away and also stops me from even opening myself up to other people. So that's me moving from being a stiff thinker who spent 20 years thinking I'm never going to have friends into being a flexible thinker who just realises some people you have chemistry with, some people you don't and some of this is just anxiety.
4: Yes. Yes. That is like the most perfect example. And, um, you know, my, my mom being a psychotherapist, you know, she sees clients who are in their seventies and eighties and it nearly makes me like break down into tears, hearing stories of people in their eighties, finally like accepting that actually they're not stupid and people love them and they spent eight years of their life Stuck in stiff thoughts of what happened when they were eight. This one man in particular, when he was eight, the whole class started. Um, he said to, he couldn't spell his name correctly, so the whole class stood up, and said, "You're so stupid, you're so stupid," and he spent his entire life believing he was stupid. Oh God! And it just like it amazed me. Just like burst. It just made me burst into tears when she was telling me the story because, you know. We have like science, and this is one of I think the things that really like just got me totally hooked on understanding the like the brain's neurology. Science has proven that we have this thing called neuroplasticity that our brain is malleable, and and I and and so science has proven we can change our brain, we can change our outlook, and it's not easy. It's not easy because when we believe something about ourselves, our bitchy inner critic. Which I like to call mine a name, and I call mine Regina after the mean girl in Mean Girls.
2: <laughs> and I'm like,
4: Regina can be vicious. And there's sometimes when we're feeling anxious, that inner critic gets louder and louder and louder and louder. And it's really difficult to go, I know that's not true. I can be flexible right now. I can sit here and be in that emotion, but stay curious at the same time. And so, flexible thinking is about curiosity choice and commitment mm-hmm. and curios- curiosity my greatest inspiration for this was Byron Katie and she has these four questions that um that I learned from her so for example the the thought that like um you know I'm never I'm everyone hates me is this true and we're like well I think it is true everyone hates me can I be a hundred percent sure this is true that I'm disliked well no because I can't look into their minds so I don't know how does this thought make me feel? Well, awful, unconfident, uh, just just the worst. I don't want to go out again. Like, oh, I'm just going to stay at home because that's where I belong. Who would I be without this thought? Like open to opportunities, having experiences, learning, growing. And we realize through curiosity that so much of our suffering is within our thoughts that are often not true. And then we move on to choice. And the reason why I included choice in this flex method to help us move from stiff thinking into flexible thinking is because our brain, again, it's, 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 it's been working in a certain way for so many years. So if we want to change it in any way for it to be kinder to ourselves, we have to have a, make a conscious choice to, and we've got to make a conscious choice to choose compassion because at the root of every human, we only have two emotions, love and fear. And every thought is either coming from fear or stepping into love. And so when we ask questions like, how would I advise a friend experiencing what I am now? What would I tell a friend experiencing what I am now? Not only do we start actually activating the wise part of our brain to tap into our wisdom, because we can only be in our wisdom when we're on relaxed FM. When we're on stressed FM, we are working from fear and we can't access the buckets of wisdom we all have. So, choosing to be compassionate is the greatest choice we all have, and it takes work. And sometimes it takes us to ask that question over and over again, how would I how would I advise a friend? What would I tell a friend?
3: Yeah. I talk about this a lot when it comes to body image, uh, that I have to I've had to learn how to be my own best friend, where would I ever tell a friend that they don't look good enough to go up for that job or they are too fat? Or old to be loved, or they are not worthy of being accepted in society because they haven't met a certain, like, ridiculous, unrealistic societal ideal. No, I would never, I would never say these things to anyone. I have so much love and respect for other human beings, even ones that I don't know, so much more love and respect than I've had for myself in the past. And so I've had to learn to be my own, just to have my own inner Beyonce, because obviously. Beyonce's my best friend. Um, <laughs> I don't really know her, but you know, uh, no. But I've had to learn how to 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 cheer myself on the way that I would cheer you on or someone else. Like all I do is encourage other women all the time, and yet it's been so hard to learn how to how to muster that up for myself and now that I've learned how to it has helped me just become so and like so much bolder even when maybe I shouldn't I try <laughs> and it's interesting like you know I've been thinking about this so much lately the way that we discourage each other in particular we discourage women we discourage women Like we are a generation especially like lately in the last couple of years I feel as though we've entered a period of 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 encouraging stiff thinking, of Mm -hmm. telling people who they are. It's like, oh, you've made that mistake. This is who you are. This Mm -hmm. is who you will always be. There's no point bothering to change because we're never going to believe that you're going to change. And, and we've, we're writing you off because of that mistake. I've made mistakes. I have, uh, I have misrepresented myself or I've fucked something up or I've been bad in a thing, on camera, on the radio. And I've been told by hundreds of thousands of people before, like just kill yourself or uh, Mm. you're, you're worthless or you're annoying and you will always be annoying. You should never do this again. You should leave social media. You shouldn't bother to come back and try and do better. Oh, you're only trying because you want to be accepted now. So therefore there's no value in your trying. All I get is discouragement, 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 discouragement. And like part of my journey, and I think it's yours as well, has just been to like Push through that discouragement and be like, you don't get to tell me whether or not I'm capable of change, whether or not I can improve, whether or not it's worth my time to try to become a better person or a smarter person. This whole podcast is just an experiment in seeing like, how much can I learn from these excellent people, people like you, and how much can I grow and people online don't get to tell us. They don't get to tell you, whoever you are who's listening to this right now, who maybe didn't say the right thing politically or whatever. Uh, or maybe 10 years ago, you said the wrong thing. No one gets to tell you that it's too late for you to change. And you bringing up this, you know, this devastating story of this 80 year old just shows that like you are you can become a flexible thinker, even at 80, that you yeah. you never have to write yourself off as... I am beyond hope. Absolutely, like forgiveness and compassion
4: are two of the most important things for us to remember as human beings, because without forgiveness, And forgiveness of ourselves, we stay in really low vibrational energies. And also, if someone's unable to forgive you, it means they're unable to forgive themselves. And that is actually so sad. And um, this guy called Hawkins did this scale of consciousness, and he actually um, documented that every emotion has a different emotional frequency. And so shame, regret, guilt, um, fear all of the the emotions that we feel are really low vibration. Acceptance, compassion, joy are higher vibrational. um, What does that mean when
3: people say vibrational? I've never understood this.
4: Well, it just goes back to everything is made up of energy right we're just yeah. all just atoms vibrating and you know it you know when you're something brilliant has happened and mm. you're just bouncing off the ceiling and you just go to meet your friend as things brilliance happened to her and she
3: is like whoa, 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 whoa,
4: and you leave
3: <laughs> I feel like so, we had a conversation like that yesterday over the phone did. where like I felt I felt like I could achieve anything After getting off the phone with you, because we were just like excited and and loving at each other and encouraging each other and and making exciting plans and considering that the world is our oyster for a moment and I felt so wonderful for hours and hours and hours. So that's my that's my higher vibration. That's my higher energy.
4: Yeah, because you're. It was joyful. We were connecting. Mm. We were excited. And and I did. I, me too. I was like shaking for an hour afterwards. Like little. I couldn't even sit down. <laughs> and you know, and for us to be in those like higher vibrational states, like we've got to forgive. We've got to forgive the shame that we all carry. Yeah, We all carry regret. We all carry embarrassment. All of us have done it. We're imperfect. (laughs) (laughs) But what is so, you know, and this is why you're such a, a glorious leader and we're so lucky to have individuals like you in society because you allow us all to forgive ourselves, Because you're saying, look, I fucked up guys and I'm going to still, and you know, and, and by the way. Like you haven't fucked up, but you know, if if you think you have, but the fact that you're so vocal about even thinking that of yourself, and this is the whole thing with all of us, all the things that, you know, let's say everyone listening here, let's say we're all in a room sharing the things we think we fucked up on. All of us would be like, babe, that's not a fuck up.
3: (laughs) No, I know. I know, I know, I know. But uh, but I, yeah, but some, some of us get hurt in particular, I think women and women of color, but uh, then add to that being a public figure, you get held to really impossible standards. And so... I just want to show people like, hey, look, I used to be a slut-shaming sexist prick 10 years ago, maybe less, maybe eight years ago, oh God, um, who didn't know the term patriarchy. And now I'm like a fairly reasonable, kind, loving, woman-promoting Uh, feminist who understands the correct terminology and now I'm putting most of the money I make into raising up other women or other people who are marginalised online. I've gone from being a legitimate bad guy, bad person who says bad negative things to people publicly, to now becoming a a much more decent and integral, more informed person. If I can do it, old me (laughs) fucking, <laughs> you know, mistakes dot com if I can do it, anyone can do it. And that's the thing that I most want people to realize. I want to encourage. I'm not interested in discouragement. It doesn't achieve truly anything. And we're also very, very uncreative.
4: The fact is, we've got a lot of world problems. And I truly believe our creativity and the human genius, we will create solutions to the problem. But if we're creating a society that everybody is so terrified about making a mistake, large or small, like in public, or even just in the workplace, Mm -hmm. or even at home, Mm -hmm. we are not growing. And the brain, when we are uncomfortable, when we're making mistakes, it actually loves it because it's creating like new neural pathways. And so learning and making mistakes is how we grow. And we we wouldn't be living in this like evolved society with this incredible technology if we didn't make a few mistakes along the way, because then we learn how to do it better.
3: We had uh, Dr. Deepak Chopra on, on this podcast talking to me about the fact that the way that we learn the best and most effectively is when we make a mistake. That that's actually when our brain can process and maintain the information in the sharpest, most helpful, effective way is from a mistake. So mistakes are kind of vital in order for us to learn or oh, definitely don't do that again because it makes a bigger impact on us.
4: And also when we're frustrated, because if you've ever learned a musical instrument, it's Mm -hmm. when you start getting really, really frustrated and you're like, I just can't get it. Or if you're trying to learn like a sport or any new skill you're trying to learn or a language, you start getting very, very frustrated. And that is when you know the brain is in an accelerated learning time, is when you get frustrated. So I think sometimes we we always assume that like, again, we, we, we kind of put happiness in this premium emotion that we should always be feeling. But actually frustration is a really, really helpful emotion because that's when we, our brain is trying to work problems out and often when you're in a growth period in life it feels deeply challenging and we then misinterpret that signal as oh it's wrong this is not this is I, I'm not right for this let's say you start a new job and it's like really frustrating and and and, and, and difficult actually
3: you're exactly where you should be because you know that frustration is like growth hmm yes within reason if you're really really uncomfortable and you really hate it then you should leave. You, then oh. then then maybe that'll be your form of growth just to just to make sure I caveat always with that.
4: I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean quitting <laughs> is is one of the strongest things that you can do. Because often we're like conditioned, like never to quit. I definitely think I. I wish I'd quit for
3: far more things than. Oh I my god, lived. me too. Oh my god, <laughs> that 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 idea that quitting is failure when actually it's self preservation. I mean, the idea that self preservation was a dirty word until like three years ago, and selfishness was a dirty word when I'm really just starting to willfully try to embrace selfishness as something that is a a good thing, a huge luxury, and one that I shouldn't shun when I have the opportunity to be selfish, like, for example, I don't have lots of children who are depending on me right now in my household. Yeah. I can sleep in on the weekend. Like, how can I, how can I disregard the luxury of the space to be selfish and not just take some time out for myself? Like, who who wins if I just burn myself out? I mean, absolutely. I think you touched upon a really important
4: point in this whole conversation around mental health, which is, there is like one size that does not fit like one size to do not does not fit all. Mm. Like fundamentally, everybody is is their own expert. Everybody knows themselves the, the best. And I think we do sometimes come to a culture where we're like, oh, I need to ask so many other people to understand what I'm feeling inside, and actually you know, as, as you just said, actually, no, I needed self-preservation. I did not need to push myself into harder environments. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a really, really powerful point because, you know, someone, everyone can say different things, but really, you know, you yourself are your greatest, like wise teacher.
3: Yeah. I love a good fuck it bucket. I like to just chuck it all in the fuck it bucket. That's really honestly just been my route to recovery. Uh, you start your book with a, a chapter called Fuck My Life, <laughs> yeah. which I think is uh, extremely, um, extremely inspiring and cool and very personal. I mean, this is a very personal pursuit that you're putting a lot of yourself out there. And I think that it's incredibly brave and inspiring. I feel incredible. I don't mean it in a... Patronizing way, but I feel very, very proud to watch you embrace this and to become just increasingly authentic and vulnerable, even on such a public level over the course of my life. Because honestly, you were just so people pleasing when we were younger. So was I. Maybe that's why we didn't become closer until we were older, until we became our authentic selves. Do you know what I mean? We would always see each other around, but maybe our like heightened hyper people pleasing kind of facade you you taught me this terminology uh (laughs) called duck syndrome that I think we were both so guilty of and maybe are still sometimes but I feel like it maybe like repelled us away from each other or maybe got in the way of us becoming as as close as we now are and and I fucking adore you and I'm so happy to have you in my life but would you please explain what duck syndrome is (laughs)
4: Oh, yeah. I'm such a culprit of duck syndrome. Well, I was. And duck syndrome is basically living life like a duck when you're trying to look so graceful that you've got it all together, which I feel kind of like Instagram is, it, for, for many people, is like such an experience of duck syndrome where you're like, look, here's my life. And I've got this and I've got this. And underneath the, underneath the surface, you are paddling for dear life. And this is really what kind of culminated in my, my total like chronic exhaustion because I was just so desperate to try and look to everyone else that I had life together um and underneath, I was literally like, oh my God, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And, um, and then it all fell apart. And, um, and, and you can witness all the, <laughs> you know, and it, it's funny, you know, they always say kind of like life like hits you with three buses at the same time, you know, kind of like one thing goes wrong and then it's like bash and then it's like gives you another bash and you're just kind of like on the floor. Um, but like one of the greatest, um, she was a, a great friend to me in LA, she's a bit like a, an old sister and um she was uh, a yogi and she said, Poppy, never waste a breakdown. They are often our most transformative moments because they're moments of change when we realize that we cannot keep going with these old habits, these toxic old habits that are so ingrained into us. And, um, it was probably the best thing she could have ever told me because it was almost, it gave me permission to almost kind of go, okay, okay, I, I, I'm, I, I can't go on like
3: this. I accept change. I accept change. Yeah. That's fucking great. Never waste a breakdown. That's such an empowering way of looking at it. I wish someone had said that to me during mine so it wouldn't have taken me so many years to put mine (laughs) to use. But I think I didn't waste mine in the end. I think it's everything that I weigh is and everything that I feel and how I live my life now is all as a response to that breakdown. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was also just very expensive and um, stressful at the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right, but you wouldn't but you no, wouldn't me take so it much. back. Yeah. 100% I would definitely not take it back. I was on the worst possible path. I love my cat Tiger.
2: And as my best friend, we speak our own language. <coughs> With that, you love your litter. He does because I use Fresh Step Outstretch litter. It absorbs 50% more waste and odor and requires less changing compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Less changing means more time playing. (laughs) Right, tiger? That's a yes. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Cat Litter in the pet aisle. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates.
1: Start clean with Clorox. Because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because...
3: As, as I lose you to your busy life as a mental health leader, is what are the therapies that you recommend to these people? Because we've kind of covered the the abandoning of shame and recognising that your brain is just doing whatever it's going to do to try and keep you alive the best way it knows how. And understanding what you're doing, checking in with yourself, seeing where you're at and, and starting to try and not manipulate, but manoeuvre yourself into a more friendly and and healthy and safe space emotionally, internally, and maybe even externally in your life. We've covered those things. What are some of the therapies that you would recommend to the people who find like, fuck, I, I feel like I have stressed FM on all of the time. I, I don't really know how to make that transition because it sounds so easy to make that transition. And, and you've definitely laid out so many of the... Um, the ways in which to do that just in this podcast alone. But what are some of the practical things that someone like me or someone like our listeners, what are those steps that we can take in order to actively create long-lasting change?
4: So I obviously am a
3: huge advocate of
4: therapy because my mother is one and I've gone through years of therapy Mm -hmm. myself and I've tried so many different ones in what, what I would try to encourage people is it, I actually love therapy. I actually find it really fun because I think the greatest gift we can give ourselves is self-awareness to understand ourselves. Like the ancient Greeks said, know thyself. And it was like one of the best things thousands of years ago, they said, and then we kind of forgot ourselves and now we've come back to this point where we're understanding ourselves and want and this desire to understand understand ourselves again so and also all therapists it's like dating a boyfriend mm-hmm. you know like, I've heard stories of, you know, one of my friends went to a therapist and she really didn't enjoy the experience. And as a consequence, she's like, it's not for me. But actually, there are so many different, it's, it really is finding that person that can gel with you, that understands you. And, um, and so, you know, for example, um, my mother does a therapy called Brain Working Recursive Therapy BWRT. And I think that is absolutely incredible. It's a new therapy um, that has had significant research on it and it's, um, it's it uh, basically rewires your brain at the subconscious level so um you may have probably heard about hypnotherapy which is also an incredible therapy mm-hmm. because again our subconscious is where our all our memories are stored and our conscious brain is obviously obviously kind of you know our 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 thoughts and you know actually quite limited and so hypnotherapy can really access that subconscious brain which is usually the driver for how we think and uh behave and react. So hypnotherapy, I'm a huge fan of. I think you understand. I think you find memories, um, that were very formative and actually you can, with your older self, look back on and go. Oh, that actually, you know what? I didn't need to feel so scared in that moment. I was, I was okay. And there's a lot of like, kind of, you know, using the present to heal the past. And I think that's wonderful. And then I think uh, you've obviously got CBT, which is like, which is brilliant.
3: And that's, that's like cognitive, behavioral, cognitive therapy. behavioral therapy. And you can um, talk about the DBT, dialectic behavioral therapy. I did EMDR, um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy, which I talk about all the time. Exactly, and then you know you've got like slightly
4: um, holistic therapies, which, for example, massage. I know this sounds strange, but actually, if f- for me, for example, the beginning of the pandemic, I you know was on my own a lot, and actually we realised that we haven't been touched, and we need oxytocin and the, the the feeling of touch. So if you haven't been able to hug anyone for ages, you could be like really low on just physical touch. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really interesting to you know again. Look at the mind as I from um, from the bottom up, outside in, and top down, and um, and there's all sorts of you know for, it, you, know, for you it could be um, acupuncture that could be releasing energy from the body mm-hmm. because you said you know your issues in your tissues, so I think use your mental health as. Um, as almost like a constant adventure. It's not a game that we ever complete. We can't just suddenly go boom, my mental health is fixed. Woo-hoo. It is forevermore for the rest of our lives. We are always going to be in different environments, situations, and our brain always needs to be nourished and nurtured. And, and understood. So, and understood. And look, and, and you know, some therapies can be expensive, So there's always for anyone on their different price points, there's lots of different things you can do. There's group therapy, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Um, And so go on a go on a mental
3: health adventure. Agreed. I think it's the single best investment you'll ever make into your life if you have that ability to be able to access that. And also, you know, there have been many times in my life where I couldn't afford therapy. You know, where, you know, there are some countries that where you're not as lucky as we are in the UK, where at least we have it for free on the NHS, but you're on a waiting list for like six months to a year. But in the times when I haven't been able to access therapy or, uh, well, for example, in the pandemic, when I went through like a mini nervous breakdown last February, I couldn't access my therapist because she was just so much more needed by other people. And also um, we weren't able to physically be in the same room with each other. Friends, friends who actually love you for your whole self, friends who actually accept you for, for who you are and who don't judge you and trigger you and pick at you. They are the most extraordinary interim on your road to being able to access a, an actual professional. It doesn't mean you should necessarily always take their advice. Uh, not everyone should take mine, I'm sure. But I um, I just want you to know that even sometimes just hearing your own thoughts out loud, sometimes even just writing it down. I never used to take journaling seriously, but it's honestly like free therapy in that a big part of the challenge is the fact that we don't even know what we're feeling. It's just these thoughts are bouncing around our head all of the time. And because of the confirmation bias that you were talking about earlier, we're going, yes, that's a perfectly acceptable thought. That is a true thing. And because we don't hear ourselves say it out loud away from all of the chaos of our brains, we can't register what we've said and how untrue or problematic or painful or sad that thing is. And so saying it out loud to someone that you trust or writing it down, writing down your core beliefs, you talk a lot about this in your book, like core beliefs can help expose to you what you're really feeling and even that can, can put you towards a, a, a path towards change and I, what I love about your book and what I think is so important about your book Poppy is the fact that you are giving people that introduction to understanding themselves, to accepting themselves, to living shamelessly and, and I'd never looked at mental health as something that was physical and that was, uh, I never took into account neurology the way that I should have when I was younger. I never took into account brain chemicals. I never took into account like ancient patterns of how our brains work to protect us. I had no idea that the brain was only built to predict and protect, and that 80% of our thoughts were negative setting us up for so much failure if we don't go out of our way to make ourselves happy. I've learned Mm. so much from you. I'm so excited for people to read your book and to listen to your podcast and to follow your work because in doing so, in starting to investigate my brain properly as the organ that it is, I've started to treat it the way I would my stomach and my liver and my lungs. I started to care for it uh, in a way that doesn't just feel... um, Ethereal. <laughs> I think that's the only word I had right now, but it feels intangible. It feels very like meta and vague, the, the mind. And you found a way to explain it to people in a way that makes it feel like there's hope for a solution. You've made the brain feel practical and, and uh, approachable. And for that, wow. I think you're just the best. So before oh, you leave, you. would you please tell me, Poppy me, what do you weigh?
4: I weigh.
3: The question always makes you want to cry, doesn't it? So many people Um, (laughs) cry during the question. So many people. (laughs) Um,
4: You know, I weigh being a part, um, being a sister, being a daughter, being a friend um, and and hopefully being. A person that can, um, you know, help other people find uh, tools through my own journey. So. <laughs> oh,
3: God, you <laughs> made me right now, Bobby, for <laughs> the <that's> sake. <laughs> we're english we're not supposed to do this this is illegal in england um (laughs) you're definitely someone who helps a lot of people and you've helped and taught me so much and i love you loads and thank you for giving me so much of your time you're so generous and everyone go out and buy poppy's book Oh, thank you so much, Shamila. You
4: mean the world to me and you're a constant inspiration. And Ai Wei has totally changed my understanding of my, you know, how I even relate
3: to myself. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Erin Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music that you're hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. I really appreciate it, and it amps me up to bring on better and better guests. Lastly, at I Weigh, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iweighpodcast at gmail.com. It's not in pounds and kilos, so please don't send that. It's all about your just, you, you know, you've been on the Instagram anyway. And now we would love to pass the mic to one of our listeners.
0: Hi, I'm Somya from India. Uh, I'm 22 years old. Ever since I was a child, uh, I've had anxiety and uh, my earliest memories of me is feeling completely scared, having really bad stomach aches and just vomiting around the school um, because of unbearable amounts of anxiety. Um, but growing up, I realized that I have so much more in me and so much more to offer. I weigh that I'm a singer and I love to sing and I love to play the ukulele. I weigh that I'm a teacher of emotions. I teach social and emotional learning to 13 beautiful, amazing girls at a juvenile care center in Delhi. I love them and they love me back. And it's amazing. I weigh that I'm a feminist. I care about equality and I care about equal rights for everyone, all genders. Um, I weigh that um, I'm an empath and I'm a great listener um, people find me very warm and they're easily able to open up to me and I love having conversations with different people. Um, I weigh that um, I'm smart and I'm I'm pretty intelligent and I know it. Um, yeah, and I weigh that I don't care about my looks anymore. I look in the mirror and I just see a smart, bright and beautiful person.
1: Making my cat happy is my number one priority. And Fresh Step Outstretch litter helps me do just that. Meet Mr. Mittens. Mitty, for short. Ah! Mitty is happiest when his litter box is clean and fresh. And Fresh Step Outstretch is amazing at absorbing waste and odor. We sure have found our common ground, haven't we? Happy cat, happy life. Find Fresh Step Outstretch at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks are used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates.